Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He is truly worthy, isn't he? There is none as great as our God. There is none that ever will be as great as our God. There is none that come close to his glory, to his majesty, or to his power. And to think that all that he was, he poured into Christ. And all that Christ was. Listen, we say it this way, Brother Ed. We say it so often. All that Christ was, he poured into the church. But I'm listening to a message the other day, and I hear a prophet of God saying, all that Christ was, he poured into you. Oh, what manner of people are we tonight? Oh, God, give us a revelation. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, truly thou art great. Lord, amongst men, Lord, who could find another? Lord, that would be so great, so noble, Lord, so holy, so gracious, full of splendor, full of majesty, Lord, regardless of the kingdoms of the world and the kings of this earth. Lord, there's nothing that compares with thee this morning. This evening, Father God, we look to thee as as the author and finisher of the very life that's been placed within us. This life that cries out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, realizing, Lord, that we've been born again from a new spirit, Father. Something has drawn us. Something has opened our eyes. Something has called us. Lord, we can't be what we used to be. Lord, we don't even want to be what we used to be. We've caught a glimpse of something so much brighter and so much greater, Father. Tonight, once again, Lord, as, as the great I am, as, as the word that was broke in the beginning, and Father, tonight we ask that you would come one more time. Lord, that you would be very present here tonight. And that you would again minister to our hearts. Lord, we're a needy people. May thy will be done. May thy kingdom come is our greatest desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Turn around and give somebody one of them. Hypocritical one of them. Ray, you know my heart. I like this to feel like, like that. And Anyhow, God bless you. Why don't you take your seats? And thank you to the musicians again. God bless you richly. Again, just want to take the opportunity to thank you for the invitation and, and uh, allowing me to be here. I always feel honored when I'm here. Uh, not as in honored like a king or something, but just honored to be uh, part of the family. And, and I really, I say that often, but I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. I, I have... Uh, I, I count each one of you dear, just like family friends, and it's been so many years that, that we just feel that way, and you always make me feel at home when I come, so God bless you again. We, we just, we love you with all of our hearts. I know my wife would have loved to have been here uh, with me. I would have loved to have her here with me, and uh, you know, she, uh, she just got back. She was out uh, in Arizona, and uh, she went out to see, you know, the children and the granddaughter and all those good things that are far from us, and, uh, and you know how moms are there. Uh, it don't matter how old they get, they're still moms. You know, I, I experienced this the other day. You know, I, I, I used to tell my dad I'm back, uh, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, he was still working, he wasn't retired. I said, Dad, I said, when do men your age look at men that are my age as men? And he's like, oh, we do, we do. And I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. We're still just the kids. 
And, uh, well, no, he didn't, he didn't really quite think that was so, but I'm sitting at my mother's table the other day, not three or four days ago, I'm sitting there, and, and, uh, and uh, she gets to talk, and she says, well, the kids, and I'm like, Mom, you're talking about me. And she said, I know. I said, I'm a grandpa already, Mom. So I guess, I know I'm not the sharpest knife in the, in the drawer, but goodness, I, anyhow, I do love her. She's my mother. Yeah, you know what, you're going to be, I tell you what, if, if the Lord tarried long enough for her to hit the 90-year-old, I'd still, I'd be 70 plus years old and just be a kid to her. So it's all, it's like, it's like you said this morning, it's relative. The cold is relative. By the way, I just know how much you love me. Thank you for the warm weather. Oh my, I left home yesterday morning, it was 39 below zero, and I was like, oh Lord, what am I doing driving in this weather? But I was looking at the map, and I could see it's getting warmer if I just go west, so, so uh, the Lord was gracious anyhow. And brother, can you mute me just for a minute up here? Anyhow, I guess that's just part of being human, isn't it, where... Uh, I'm looking at Seth here tonight, and the girls drove down, and they didn't even think about it. They're just getting in their car and just, you know, it doesn't matter. Man, I'm getting to that place now when I get out of bed in the morning, and I look at that thing, and it says 37, 38 below. I'm like, nah, I think this is just a good day just to stay inside. <laughs> you know, we canceled church here uh, that's a week ago Sunday, I guess it was. It was. It was 39 below zero, and then the wind chill was 52 below. And I said, you know, there's got to be somewhere there's a place where, uh, where we've got to look at things in the right matter. And I, I was just saying, Lord, uh, you know, is it the right thing? Is it the wrong thing? And, and uh, so the next morning, Monday, no, not Monday morning. Monday morning was 30, probably 39 or 38 below zero. But the next morning, it was like 36 below or something. And, and I had an appointment and I had to go out. So I thought, well, I'm just going to swing by. You know, there's just a, there's a local spot where brothers get together and have a cup of coffee. And I thought, I'm just going to swing by and see who's out this morning. Sure enough. So let me tell you, if it's 34 below zero, don't cancel church. Because they'll be at the coffee shop anyhow. And, and, uh, but 39 was just a little bit. Anyhow, I'm looking for a city. I told, I don't know who it was, a brother the other day that I said, you need to come down and experience it. And he said, oh, no, Brother Dwayne, I don't want to. I said, listen, brother. I said, you know what? It, it'll never, you only have one opportunity to experience this in your life. Because in heaven, there won't be no such thing as minus 39 below, and hell will be way too hot. So I said, if you want to experience it, now would be a good time. And he, he just didn't see it my way. I, 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 well, I prefer not to either. I, I'm looking for that time, and Brother Ray and I were fellowshipping a little bit, and won't it be wonderful there? We, we talk about it, but... But, but really truthfully, down in the depths of our soul, won't it be wonderful there? Having no burden to bear, you know, and, and just, uh, just to be like that old black man, just sit at his feet and look into those eyes, the ones that paid the price for you and me. Looking for that city, amen. Well, thank you again this morning. I uh, appreciate you all pulling and and um, thankful that the Lord could use us in some way to be a blessing. And uh, I'd, I'd like to, if we could tonight, I'd like to take a little different avenue, a little different direction. And it's, um, it was a question that was asked to me, um, oh, I don't know, back a few months back, I guess. And, 
And uh, I don't even know why I thought to, I don't even know why it came on my heart to speak on it, but I'm going to just do it that way anyhow. And, and uh, the question was, uh, I was asking me, Brother Dwayne, is there, what's with the giants in the Bible? Were, were they really giants or, or what were they? And if they were, are they? And where are they if they were, you know? And uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's a good question. I mean, it's one that we really know scripturally. We, at least we think we do, but, but, you know, in the world, when you talk about it, to them, it's, it's, it's some sort of imaginary thing. It's, an, it's, it's a movie. It's, a, it's something that, uh, you know, Hollywood makes pictures out of, like, Beauty and the Beast. And, and you, you realize that they're just simply taking it out of Scripture, and they're portraying it to these little kids, and it's, and it's, and it's called entertainment to them. So it literally numbs their minds. And, um, and I just think it's, uh, we're, I'm just going to try and, and if I can, by God's grace, we're just going to go down this little pathway tonight. And, and, there's, and it's, there's quite a bit of scripture, so uh, you just bear with me. And I'm trusted just going to be a help and a blessing to somebody. Um, Genesis chapter 1, chapter 6, pardon me. Uh, yeah, why don't we stand together? And I'm going to read um, starting at verse 1, Genesis chapter 6. <clears throat> and these are all very familiar scriptures to you, and you just, uh, you just walk with me, the Lord willing. Uh, we'll bring it out right at the end. And it came to pass, uh, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born, Genesis 6, 1, uh, 1 to 8. Uh, and it says, and it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for, he, uh, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, they bare children to them. And the same became mighty men, which are of old men of renown. All right, I, I think we'll just stop right at that scripture because I have quite a few scriptures, brother. Let's bow our heads one more time. Father God, Lord, we ask this evening again, Lord, that you would just come in your own special way. Lord, this, this is not a book of man. Lord, this is not some sort of a novel that we're reading. But, Lord, this is the very book of life. And in it, Father, is every question that's ever been asked. Lord, there's an answer to it. And tonight, Lord, I just ask that you would just sovereignly guide me. We commit this service to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can take your seats. We realize pulling this scripture this, this, this evening that this is just right before, uh, you know, God has got to the place where he's, he's ready to destroy the world. And so it's, it's pre-flood days, if we could say it that way. And, and, and in the earth at those days, the Bible says there were giants in the earth. And, uh, you, you know, we look at... What we, we look at what we perceive to be giants and we look at what, we, uh, uh, what our own imagination or what the world and stories and books have, have laid in front of us as giants. And, and so and, and we look at it, you know, as a, as a young kid, uh, uh, you know, you had, you had Jack and the Beanstalk. I remember reading it. When he got to the top, there's a giant. And, you know, everything about the, the, everything that's printed, everything that's put before children is simply just taken out of Scripture and twisted like Satan does, throws 
throws his own little thing on it, and, and, and we become uh, uh, climatized, or we become, our, our, our eyes begin to focus in that direction. And, and, but we realize there, had to, there has to be a real somewheres. In order for all the stories to be made, in order for all the movies to be uh, uh, wrote, in order for all these things to transpire, there has to be a real that they got it from somewheres. And so the question was asked at home was, was uh, Brother Dwayne, was there giants? Was there really giants? And if so, where, where, where did they come from? Where did they go to? I mean, we don't have giants as far as we know in the world today. There's, there's not a place. Uh, we got some tall men. We've got men that are probably upwards of six, seven foot tall by now. But, but is there actual giants? And uh, so in, in saying that, I want us to go back into the Scripture, and we're just going to go take a little journey through Scripture tonight. Genesis chapter 3, and uh, you'll find that uh, this ties right in with the serpent seed. And again, if I say something, brothers, that, that just doesn't fit your the way you see things, you forgive me and you correct it when I'm gone. But I wanted to, uh, I want to read Genesis chapter 3 and starting at verse 1 it says, uh, and I just want us to read these things very carefully. It says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Now, we have been trained from the time that, we've, that we could read. When you, when you hear the word serpent, the first thing that comes to your mind is snake. Now, I'm getting just a little bit. Is this me, brothers? Should I just pull this back just a little bit? Try that. All right. Is snake. And so we, we, in our minds, we, we think snake. So just like the, the rest of the world... Now, when the serpent, the serpent was more subtle, we would read it in our minds reading. We read, now the snake was more subtle than any beast of the field. And if you were in a denominational church tonight, that's how they would be reading it. But because that revelation has broke and the book is now open, we realize we're looking at it from a different light. We realize a prophet of God come to us and tell us that the serpent was not a snake, and if you look at the scriptures the way they're written, you find out he was not a snake. It says he was, he was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, hath God said, yea, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I don't, I don't. And she said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, and the, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Let me just stop and interject something right here. Do we realize tonight that this serpent, which in our mind's eye is a snake, now we, I'm, saying that, I'm saying that for purpose tonight, because that's the way we think in our minds, but do you realize that this is one of the only creatures that we know of that's written in Scripture that's actually speaking to Eve. It's actually speaking to her. We don't read that about any other, although we hear a prophet of God talking about how, how Adam, you know, how he would call Sheetah in the line and how they could communicate, but we don't read it in Scripture. We hear a prophet speaking like that, but here we read that this serpent which was more subtle than any beast of the field, was actually speaking to Eve. And, and, I, I, and I marvel at that. And he says, he says to her, uh, you shall not eat it. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. 
For God knoweth that in the day that ye eat thereof, that your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. So here is this. Uh, 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 we, we, we realize now tonight that it wasn't a snake that was on the ground. But here was a creature that was upright, that was as close to a human being as, as can be. And Brother Brown says this, he says he was a great mammoth of a man. So he was a, so we realize that uh, as far as his nature is concerned, he's standing there, he's talking, he's, now, and the, and the Bible says this, he was, he was the most subtle, and I'm just going to go into this, if you just bear with me a little bit. He wasn't, the, the beast wasn't some, some uh, and, I, and let me just say it, because I, I just have this feeling that so many people have, 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 uh, uh, have had, Hollywood has been an influence in their life. Let me just say it. Let me just say it this way. Hollywood is an enticement to you. We can just say it. We can argue it. And, 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 and it's only by God's grace. If it's not an enticement to you, it's only by God's grace. He's either kept you from it or he's delivered you from it. But Hollywood is an enticement to, everyone, to every young boy, to every young girl. Listen, we used to read books to entertain ourselves. And then the movie began to play out. And it immersed us in the very thing that we were, uh, that it was in this very storyline. So Hollywood has been there to capture to capture you and to and to trick and train your thinking to something, and when we talk about a beast, then we think of like Beauty and the Beast, and I'm using that as an illustration tonight because it's this huge, great, big, gross, disgusting-looking creature. But that is not at all what the Scripture was writing. The beast in the garden was more subtle. He was tall, he was handsome, he was beautiful, he was magnificent. Listen, he was the last step in the animal kingdom before God created man in his own image. He was intelligent, he was smart, he was brilliant. But he wasn't a man. All right. So it says he was more subtle than any beast of the field. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of this, uh, a little of the definitions that, that come with this. Subtle means... I was, you know, you're wondering, what, Lord, what does it really mean? Uh, if you're ignorant like me, you have to do this. And it says, and subtle means uh, uh, elusive, cunning, crafty, and then it's got a word called sagacious, but it also means discerning. And the word sagacious means having or showing keen mental discernment and good judgment, shrewd. So we're getting a little picture. This is not no dumb brute like a dog or an animal or something like It's not a dumb brute. This, this is a very, very intelligent being. All right? You can pick up some other uh, 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 words that maybe, that maybe would relate to it like this. He's intelligent. He was, uh, had great knowledge. He was discerning. He was perceptive. He was acute or shrewd or full of insight. He was profound. He was deep. Surely, God will not. He literally had an understanding of what Eve was telling him. And I was wondering, but Lord, that just something just doesn't fit. There's something that's missing in this. When I started looking at it, there's, there's something that's missing. And I got, and the Lord just gave me a quote. He just reminded me of a quote that I had read. So I, I want to read it tonight. And, and I want to just drop in here. It says, and now I went to get the, the dictionary. Brother Brown, I'm speaking. 
He says, I went to get the dictionary to look up this word, and the word subtle, it meant to be smart or to be crafty. Uh, And he says, but the best interpretation of the Hebrew means, listen close here, having a true knowledge of the principles of life. That's how intelligent this creature was, having a true knowledge of the principles of life. All right? But remember, he was the smartest thing there was, the more like the human being than anything else that was on the field, the closest thing to a human being. He was not a reptile. The curse made him a reptile. The Bible said he was the most beautiful of all. All right. So where did he come from? How, 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 if he's a beast and he's that, he's that intelligent, uh, where, did, where did this whole, uh, and we know this, you, you guys have been preached this so many times, but I, I just want to drop it in in this way. Can, I, can we turn over to Revelation chapter 12? We realize that, that although he was a beast, he had to be, uh, he had to be a, listen, as a, as, a, as a creature, he had to still be anointed. There still had to be, a, there, there had to be an, even though he was absolutely intelligent, he still had to be anointed. Adam was anointed by the Spirit of God. Eve was anointed by the Spirit of God. He had to be anointed too. All right, Revelation chapter 12 said this, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. And neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, don't jump to conclusions tonight. Let's just follow this through. Revelations 12, 3 and 4 says, And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars, and then did cast them to earth. And did cast them to earth. So now we have a different picture. We have the garden, and we have God's children, Adam and Eve, and we have this beast-like creature, this almost human creature that was incredibly intelligent, that was absolutely able to carry conversation. He was able to think like man. He He had all these qualities, except he was not a man. But we also have, from another dimension, we have fallen beings that are also on earth. All right? Brother Bram says this, that Lucifer got jealous of Michael. I want us just to notice something. Lucifer got jealous of Michael. And there's a time when, when the Scripture calls him Lucifer. Brother Bram says this, Now sin did not start in earth. It began in heaven. He was kicked out of heaven, and it came to earth. There was nothing else he could get into The animal would be too far from him. Seed wouldn't mix. So he had to get into the serpent, which was a being most like a man. And God cursed him and put him on his belly. All right, listen. And I think we'd just go on. I'm going to skip a whole bunch of this if I can, just because I spoke this in a couple services at home, and and I'm going to try and condense it. We realize tonight that, that when Satan came down, he actually came and he anointed that being. He couldn't get into Adam because Adam was a complete son of God. He couldn't get into Eve. She was part of Adam to begin with. But he got into a creature that was so 
uh, beautiful and so handsome and so intelligent. And Eve, listen, listen. The beauty of the man and the subtlety of his, of his words and how, how, how subtle and how, 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 how reasonable it all sounded, how good it sounded, literally actually seduced, it actually brought Eve right into a place where she opened up her own mind instead of staying with her husband and staying behind the word of God. She opened up her own mind to become a partaker of the very sin that would literally throw this world into chaos. All right. So where, now we're starting to get a little picture. We know it wasn't an Adam, uh, apple that Eve ate. We, goodness sakes, we're, we're far, far beyond that. We know that it was a sexual relationship. And that relationship produced, can I say it this way? Maybe this sounds a little bit crude, but, but if you have a horse and you have a, have a donkey, the seat is so close it can cross. It makes a mule. It's high bred. It makes a mule. But you, you can't take a horse and a cow. That's, that's different. It's different races. But the, hor- but the horses and the, and the donkey is so close that it actually makes a mule. Now we've got a hybrid. We've got a hybrid being on earth. And you and I both know just in our natural sense that anything that's how you take hybrid grain, it actually produces a greater corn. It produces a, 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 a greater avenue. It, 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 actually, it actually looks so much better than the real, but the reality is it'll kill you. The reality is it'll kill you. So, so we've, got, we've got a position that there's, there's a, a creature that's, that's been created that God has a, actually, God created the serpent. Knowing what was going to transpire. And from this, uh, from this union, I could say, if I could say it this way, we realize that there came a birth. There came a birth and that birth produced another man it produced something that looked just like you or just like me it was a man in every detail but the very nature on the inside of it was altogether wrong it was altogether wrong even though even though uh, 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 we look in the beginning and we've got two brothers standing there Cain and Abel standing there they're 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 considered to be brothers by blood and we know by revelation it's the furthest thing from the truth and if we don't get this part right in our lives, if you can't go back and take them to the Scripture and show them serpent seed, you'll never get nowheres in the Scripture. Nothing in Scripture will never make sense to you. All right. So we realize that Satan was literally on earth at that time. Ezekiel 28, and it says this, Thou hast been in Eden in the garden of God. Wow, okay, so where was he? First of all, who is Ezekiel talking about? Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. And every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and the gold, and the workmanship of thy tabarets, and of thy pipes was prepared in the, in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. And thou wast on the holy mountain of God. And thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Listen, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. 
Who is this man? Beautiful. And we realize a prophet comes and tells us that wasn't just uh, the king of Tyrus that the spirit was speaking to. It was literally Satan himself, the, the, the exalt, that, that, that exalted cherubim, that, that great magnificent creature that had been in heaven as God's right hand man. As God's right hand man and in his own being, he, he got to the place where he became jealous of the worship that Michael got, which was Christ. Listen, in the, in the, in the, heavenly, in the heavenly ranks, it was Christ. Listen, he got so consumed and so, so bitter towards what was going on that literally he began, to, he began to tell his own tale. He began to speak to the angels that were surrounding him and he deceived a third of them, the Bible says, with a third of them that fell by his tail. Not his tail, not the, not the red dragon's tail behind him, but the tail that he told. Now they end up on earth and on earth is God's own children. What a place for God to put them. Why cast him to earth? Why, why, why throw him down there? Because here stood God's seed. God knew that his seed could stand the test of time. God knew what was going to transpire, and it was God's only way to express himself. There's no way he could be a healer. There's no way he could be a savior. There's no way all the express, all these attributes that God had, there's no way they could be expressed without a fall coming. And yet God couldn't make his children fall. That would be unjust. So he put him on a free moral agency, and then he put the temptation right there, knowing Eve was going to fall to it, and knowing there would be another genealogy, another seed gene that would come forth. Now we take, we take and look at these seeds. I'm just going to go on here. Isaiah 14, 12 says this, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nation? And then it goes on to say, but I'm going to just, you can read it at home if you want to. Isaiah chapter 14. I got to, for time's sake, I got to keep going. So we realize he was in the garden. We realize he was in the garden. All right. Brother Brown says this. He said, you know what? Science can't find the missing link. All of you know that. Why? Here he is, the serpent. Here he was, a great big fellow. And the devil comes down now and he says, I can inspire. The devil comes down now and he says, I can inspire. Look at his trait. I can inspire. So he literally got a hold of the serpent and he inspired him to go and speak to Eve there he was and this whole communication and, and in his subtle words, in his, I, I want to say this, you, you, you ever meet, there's, there's men and, that you've met that you know, they just, they're, they're just so eloquent with their speech. They're just so, they just have a way of, and, and, and it's beautiful. And I don't mean to throw this off on them, but Satan himself was that kind of person. So subtle, so beautiful, so eloquent that if you didn't have discernment, you wouldn't know. And Eve was standing there, she should have known. I'm sure really she did know. I'm sure there was a little something that, that checked in her heart the first time. But because of his constant, uh, 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 you know, knocking on her door, his constant uh, uh, communication with her, his constant allurement, finally she stepped over the boundary. And what did it produce? It produced another man. But not the kind of man that God had in mind. Because Adam was a God man. 
And Eve was part of that God-man, and they were supposed to bring forth God-man again. All right. Genesis chapter 4. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Isn't that just a good one for the theologians? You talk about two seeds in the Bible, they'll tell you you're absolutely crazy. They'll take you right back to the Scripture and say, look at here, Eve absolutely says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. But we've got a prophet of God that come and tells us that that is just part of life. They brought forth a child. Yes, she had a man from the Lord. God's the only one that can give life. But the one that she brought forth was not of Adam's seed. All right? And she again bare his brother Abel. And I'm just going to keep going. We're going to... We're, we're just going to continue to walk through this. And we, if we just look tonight, we find in the Scriptures, I, and I want you to, maybe you've got a question, or maybe somebody that's watching has got a question, but I want you to go back and realize that you find nowheres in the Scripture. Go back and study it. You find nowheres in the Scripture that Cain is part of Adam's lineage. It's not there. It's not there. You can take him to the Word and say, okay, if this man is a son of Adam, show me in the Scripture. Here's Adam's lineage all the way through Genesis uh, 4.25 says this, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For, Seth. for God said, She hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos, and then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And you go on, this is the book of the generations of Adam. Verse 1, at, or verse 3, Adam lived 130 years, begat a son in his own likeness after his, after his image, and called his name Seth. And, and I'll just go on, and it says, verse uh, 6, and Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And we can go on a little further to verse 9, and Enos lived 90 years, begat Canaan. And verse 12 says, Canaan lived 70 years, begat Mahaliel. And verse 15 says, Mahaliel lived 60 and 5 years and begot Jared. And Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. And Enoch lived 165 years, verse 21, begot Methuselah. And verse 22 says, and Enoch walked with God and begat, uh, after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begot sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch. I just love this part, so I had to read it. And Enoch walked with God and he was not. That's, isn't that the most precious little uh, part of scripture there? Verse 26, lived, uh, Lama, Methuselah lived 180 and seven years and begot Lamelech and lived after he begat Lamelech 782 years. 28 and Lam- 29, and he called his name uh, and Lamelech begot a son and called his name Noah. Now we've come to the very spot where there were giants in the land, and nowhere's in the Scripture. We have just taken the whole lineage of Adam, but nowhere's in the Scripture do you find Cain. Nowhere's. So was there giants? Because we've got right to this spot, and the Bible says there were giants in the land. There were giants in the land. So now, if they weren't Adam's children, then where did they come from? By revelation, we know. We understand. But I, I want to just take it from a scriptural standpoint tonight. Where did they come from? Brother Bram says this. When she had this affair with the serpent, which was not a serpent or a reptile, the Bible said he was the most subtle of all the beasts of the field. Science is trying to find now the bones of some creature between a monkey and a man and applying it to a colored race and so forth. They're as ignorant as they can come. The serpent was a man. 
The blood of an animal won't mix with the blood of a human. No, sir. But this species was so close between there till he did mix, and Satan knew that. Great giant of a fellow. Isn't it strange that they found great giants in the land after this? Always said, I wish Josephus, the writer, would have thought of that. Where did those giants come from? The seed of the serpent. So we're looking at it this evening, and we realize that from the time that, that God started procreating, or Adam started procreating, by the birth of the, the twins, I wouldn't say, I mean, that's a horrible thing to say, they weren't twins. They weren't twins. They weren't even blood brothers. They weren't even blood brothers. But from that time, men, the, 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 I want to say the stature of Cain's lineage uh, was so great compared to the stature of Adam's lineage. And if you look at the intelligence, you find out that they were the ones that, 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 that were the builders of, of, of the tabrets. They were the ones that were the builders of the music. And, and they were the ones that just, they were the ones that were the, the intelligence, so to speak, race. Adam's race was just sheep herders and things like that. But they've got to the spot where we're just getting to the flood and we find out there's these huge and you can go look. You'll find it. I, I, I was ministering this, and somebody was watching it online, and uh, somebody from overseas, and they sent me a link to, they still have, even now, they are finding, uh, uh, you know, feet that are, imprints of feet that are this big. They're finding bodies that are like 12, 14, 15 feet high. They're there. Science is actually acknowledging that there was giants at some point, not just big men, Giants. All right. So we see, Brother Brown says this, these giants never come from pressing themselves in. These giants were the sons of Cain. These giants were the sons of Cain whose father was the serpent who looked in every respect. Let me just read it again so we get this out of our minds, this little Hollywood thought. Whose father was the serpent who looked in every respect exactly like a man. But he was great, huge fella, bigger than a man. That's where those sons come from because they were the sons of Cain. And then he goes on, it's the serpent seed. All right. All right, let's just jump to uh, Genesis chapter 4 again. And I want us just to look at the lineage of Cain now. For we realize that uh, we, we've taken the lineage of Adam, and now I want us to look at the lineage of Cain. We're just taking it scripturally as a Bible study. Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse 15, it said, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall, taken, shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Verse 16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife. And she bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And Enoch was born, and, and, and verse 18, unto Enoch was born Arad, and Arad begat Mahuyel, and Mahuyel begot Methuselah, and Methuselah begot Lamech, and Lamech took unto himself two wives, and verse 20, Adair, uh, uh, and Ada bare Jabel. Verse 21, and his brother's name was Jubal. And Zillah also an instructor of artifacts. All right. Now I just want to just drop this in. If we go to 1 John chapter 3, 
We just need to set something in order. We have taken the lineage of Cain, and we have also uh, taken the lineage of Adam, and we say, well, they're both Adam's children. No, they're not. That's not what Scripture says. That's not, you say, well, Brother Dwayne, this is just so juvenile. Well, maybe there's just somebody who's just juvenile here tonight or, or somebody that hasn't heard it that needed to hear it. 1 John chapter 3 says, For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. So the scripture absolutely qualifies the fact that Cain was not of Adam, for Adam was of the righteous, he was the righteous son of God. But Cain was of that wicked one. Which wicked one? Satan. The very one that, was, that walked in the garden, that walked there on earth amongst the stones. He was right there. And this man was from his lineage. All right. Genesis chapter 6 again. All right, there were giants in the earth, and I'm just, I better skip all that. We say, well, Brother Dwayne, that's good. We, we, you know, we, 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 we realized there was giants right up to the flood. And, uh, but you know, God purged the world. So that should have done away with any of the giants that were there. He, he took care of all that, and it should, you know, so why did we have giants after that then? If God took care of the mess that was in the world then, then why did we have giants after that? And in order to, in order to answer that, we got to go back to the flood. And we got to take a close look at Brother Noah and his family and those that got on the ark with him because they were the only ones that came across the flood, the only ones that came across judgment. All right. So Brother Bram says this. He said, The seed of the serpent produced Cain. Cain went into the land of Nod. And produced giants, and then they came to the land of, and then they came to the land of Noah. Now uh, they were smart, educated, intelligent people. Is that right? They were builders and scientists, not through the seed of the righteous, but through the seed of Satan, the serpent. They were such men as scientists and builders and great men and educators. The scripture says so. They worked brass, they worked iron, they worked metals, they invented things, they tempered different metals, they built houses and so forth. And the scripture said, and they were scoffers at the seed of the woman. All right. How did the seed ever get over? The seed come over in the ark just like it did in the beginning through the woman, through their wives. They carried the seed of Satan through the ark just as Eve packed the seed of Satan to give birth to Cain through the woman. All right. How did she come over? Through the ark. So it had to be one of the children. It had to be one of Noah's own children. All right. If we looked at the lineage of, uh, of, of, now remember Ham? Remember Ham in the scripture? Remember Daddy Noah after all of the turmoil and after all that he had gone through and, 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 and you know more than maybe a man could handle and, and there he was laying uh, in his tent naked and drunk and Ham scoffed at him. Ham scoffed at him. He didn't try and cover his father's nakedness. But he looked at it, he made fun of it. And I think, that's a, I think that's a good thing for us to stop and think about tonight just a little bit. I just want to stop on that just for a moment. You know, we, when we think of, we read that scripture as, as Noah laying in his tent and he was naked. And, and that might have been every bit true. But there's another nakedness that's worse than that nakedness. 
And that's a spiritual nakedness. Listen, you and I, are uh, 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 without Christ, without being clothed by the Word of God, we find ourselves like the Lady Ocean Church, blind and wretched and naked. He wasn't talking about just naked bodies. They were talking about a steer, uh, spiritual nakedness. There, there, there was nothing of God that was of any value that, that they could put around them. They're, they were completely barren of, of any of the very uh, uh, life of Christ or the, or the very attributes of God. There was just nothing. They, 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 they were naked completely. And yet they were called the church. And here's one of Noah's own sons looking at his fallen condition and he's scoffing and making fun of him instead of going to try and help and cover that daddy's nakedness and instead of trying to, 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 to protect him and guard him from what's going on, he was literally making fun of him and woe unto us. Woe unto us if we find ourselves when you, you see a man fall or you see a man that's, that's just not what he used to be and we begin to point and we begin to make fun and, and we begin to, uh, we begin to, I'll say this, we're exploiting his nakedness. Instead of covering it and covering the man's shame and, and trying to hide it like God would have done, like God did in the garden when, when he found out that Adam and Eve had sinned. Realizing that they couldn't, they couldn't come into his presence, he went and slayed a lamb. And if you go read the scripture, he took the skin and he threw it. He threw it to them. Brother Brown said he threw it in the bush to cover them before they could come out. Now there's the love of God. There's the very reality of Christ in our lives that, that we would go and try to, to cover a man's mistake and try to, try to hide it, not to, not to exploit it to the world. And God forgive us. I'm, I've been guilty of it. God forgive me. I don't want to be like that. But I've been guilty of those things. And Lord, forgive me for it. I know each one of us have had these things in our lives. But, but woe unto us. We know better. We know better. Let's take the word and let's cover their nakedness. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe, maybe they didn't mean to do that. Maybe it was just a, it's a, maybe it's something that they've got to, listen, we don't understand what people go through. I want to, I want to say this. I don't understand, I don't understand this brother's life or this brother's life or, or this brother's life. I don't understand. I know my life. I know my wife's life. I know those that are close to me, their lives. But I've got brothers that I've sat and talked to in confidence that have told me things that have happened before they got saved where they've got things that so burn in their minds, things they've seen and memories that they've got. I know a brother was telling me the other day, he says, Brother Dwayne, he says, I literally watched a woman cut her wrists and walk out in front. He says, and I can't get that picture out of my mind. He's a believer for 30 years already, but he fights with these things, and, 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 and they torment him. We don't understand these things. So many of us have been sheltered by the grace of God. But there's some that have come out of these things and, and then you see a man that's in that condition that would fall down because of the pressure. And instead of going and covering him, instead of trying to hide him, instead of trying to woo him back and nurse him back to spiritual life again, we just say, oh my goodness, you again? Shame on us. Shame on us. I got off track, but I'll try and get back on track. But woe unto us. It was Ham. It was Ham that the seed came through. Just watch and see what Sam's lineage, or Ham's lineage is. Ham begot Cush, and Cush begot Nimrod, and Cush begot Nimrod. And if you go read about Nimrod, Nimrod was a slayer. He was a killer. Where did that very, where did that very desire, if God purged the earth, 
If he took care of, if he, there he was and he said, the sins of man have become a stench in my nose. I'm going to wipe them all clean. Noah, build a boat. I'm going to, I want you to build this ark and I, 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 I'm going to save you and I'm going to save your family. And here's the prophet of Noah, a prophet of God. Noah, we think there's him, there's his family. They're all godly people. But somewhere's a spirit got into Ham and it came across on the ark. Listen, just because, we go, just because we birth children into this world, I want with all my heart to see my children saved. I claim them as my inheritance, but I actually don't know. Only God knows who is and who isn't. I stand on his word making his claim because he said so. But in the end, he's the one that does the separating. And then just because they're not serving the Lord don't mean that they're not saved. That don't mean a thing. I can't look at that. That's a circumstance to me. God himself does the separating. Hallelujah. All right. So we look at uh, them coming across in the flood, and, and, and we, we, we find out that, that, you know, maybe they weren't as many anymore. But somewheres, they show up again. And it becomes not just, uh, uh, the giant is not just the stature of the being now, but it's the very spirit that was being, that was being uh, uh, um, expressed in those, cre- in those beings, in those, in those great magnificent men. The very spirit of the one that seduced Eve in the beginning was literally coming through and it's hiding itself, not just in giants, but it's hiding itself in, it's still going to hide itself in men. All right. If we turned over to Numbers, or Numbers chapter 14, we find out that, that the, the children of Israel had, 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 uh, had gone over, and there they were. They had just come through the wilderness journey, and they had actually gone over, and they had gotten a glimpse of the promised land. Here's God's own people on a journey, and God is taking them to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. We understand. We know the story. But Numbers 14, it says this. It says this, once they had heard the report of the spies... And they realized that there was giants in the land. Where did the giants come from? We're past the flood. Where did the giants come from? All right, Numbers 14 says, And the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would to God that we would have died in the land of Egypt, or would God have died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Listen to this. Isn't this just about enough to make you sick? I'm, I'm being serious tonight, church. Listen, here is a people that have walked with God for 40 years, and God has never failed to supply their every need. And now they come up against something that they're not used to seeing, that they're not used to being exposed to, and the very sight, the very sound, the very stories that they're being told is enough to drive fear into their hearts. Oh, I wonder if Satan's not doing the same thing tonight. I wonder if he's not doing the very same thing tonight. It's enough to drive fear into their hearts, so much so that they're saying it would have been better if we would have stayed back there. Listen to what they say. And they said unto to one another, not only did they want to, not only did they make the proclamation that it's better that they return to Egypt, they said to one another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Oh my goodness. 
Where would you go tonight? Where would you go when you've walked in the light and God has blessed you abundantly, provided every need, taken your, care of your every, to every part of your life, and now you come up against something that you've never been, you've never seen before, we've never experienced before? Let me bring it right down to where we're living tonight, in a time that is foreign to us, in a country that we called free, that we were born in, and now we're, we're in a situation where the very country that we stood for, that we paid our taxes, now they're rising up against us and saying you're going to do this you're going to do that you're going to sit in church you're going to wear a mask you're only be allowed somebody i'm telling you church and they said hey it's better that we go back to egypt and they're willing to make themselves a captain find somebody that would just take them back to what they thought was safety it's not where god wanted them he wanted them in the promised land hallelujah Listen, it says, And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephthah, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. What a revelation. What a revelation. The Lord is with us. Listen, we're walking into the greatest giants that we've ever seen. We're walking into a land that is so, we're on our way to Canaan's fair land. But we're about to broach a land, a portion of the land right now that we've never experienced before. And here's the captain. I want to say here's the very Spirit of God giving utterance in, in Joshua saying, Listen, if God is with us, who can be against us? What have we got to fear? What are we trembling for? Why are we so upset? We've got nothing to worry about. God is for us. Amen. And listen to what the congregation does. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The very men that were standing there trying to preach faith to them, the congregation was trying to... What kind of spirit was amongst them? What kind of spirit was amongst them? They thought they were going into a land that was... That there was giants in the land, but I want to ask you, what kind of spirit was amongst them? That they wanted, the very ones that were preaching faith, they wanted them dead. Hallelujah. Is it possible? Is it possible that we have, we have giants in our land today? Was it possible that Jesus, let's just, just fast forward, let's just jump back to Jesus' day for a minute. Was it possible that there was giants in Jesus' day? You realize there was. There was a giants. But they weren't these big, beastly, uh, grotesque figures that, that Hollywood would paint you a picture of. But the giants that were in Jesus' day, I would say this, they were political giants like Rome. There was spiritual giants like the ecumenical council or like the church council of that day. A giant that stood there was literally the very same spirit that was trying to kill Abel, that killed Abel in the beginning, was standing there in Jesus' day, and it was bound and determined to kill Jesus. It was a giant, church. 
It was something that the people didn't contend with. It was something the people were afraid of. They were afraid of the priests. They were afraid of, uh, 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 of the Roman soldiers. They were literally of, these were huge, uh, 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 what's the right word I'm looking for? These were huge pieces of their lives, and the people were afraid. They were things that people couldn't control. They were giants in the people's lives. They were more than, they couldn't contend with them. They could contend one-on-one, -on -one, but they couldn't contend with the government. They couldn't contend with, with, with the church system of that age. They were giants. It was those very giants that were putting Jesus to death. Not great big men. Not great big beastly figures. Well, if there was giants in the New Testament, I wonder, is it possible that we got giants today and we don't even know what they are? Something struck me when I was at home when I was looking at this. I'm going to drop this in. I don't think we realize we are surrounded by giants. I don't think we realize it. We walk amongst them. We live amongst them. We, 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 we exist amongst them. I'm going to bring it on a natural, a very carnal, natural level right now for a minute. How many shop at Superstore? How many shop at Sobeys? Who controls the food chain around here? Superstore, Sobeys, there might be one more. The little food guy, he's gone. The little food guy is gone. They've crushed him. They've got rid of him. Why? So they can control. What is the, the whole purpose of the giants? What was the whole, in, 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 in Canaan's land, the, the giants had one purpose, to control their territory. We don't even think about these things. If you need money, where are you going? You're going to a bank. Do they not call them the financial giants of the world? Even our own media claims them as giants of the world. If you need money and you go to them, they're going to say, let me see what you got, let me see where you're at, yes or no. They decide whether you get it or you don't get it. You're controlled by a giant and you don't even want to be, but you've you got giants in your land all around you. God's children are walking through the midst of them as we speak. As Satan was walking in the midst of the garden, so is God's children walking in the midst of his Eden, in the midst of the giants in this land. Hallelujah. We got, we got auto, look at the automotive industry. Some of you drive Ford, some of you drive GM, some of you drive Dodge, some of you put a Toyota sticker on, or somebody says Honda, or, or some of us drive Volkswagen. Giants of the world. They control the world economy. They control it. And you and I are subjected to it. We don't think of them as giants, but go read your papers. The tech giants of the world. Literally control what you see, what you hear. Everything about it is control. Are there giants in the land? We don't, even we, don't, we don't even look at it that way. We're looking for some great big beastly something to come walking out and say, ah, it's a giant. It's not. They're all around us. 
They're all around us. We're in the midst of them. You got alcohol companies, you got tobacco companies, you got television, you got media. What are they? They're giants and they're controlling. They're forcing the people. No, we want you to go this way. No, we want you to go this way. If you're going to buy, you're going to buy from us or you won't buy at all. Apple, Microsoft, Android. We all walk around with glee. Oh, did you see my new phone? Oh, did you see my new computer? Oh, did you see the very thing that you hold in your hand is the very thing that's controlling your life? A little deal about like that in your pocket. Giants. But we don't think of it that way. We just think it's life. We just think it's life. Then we can step into the religious, in the religious realm just for a moment. And we've got the Catholic Church, the red dragon itself. The very thing that came to destroy the seed. What is it? Among the religious ranks, I'm saying among the religious ranks, it is the king giant. She will, they, she will dictate what the rest of the churches do. We know that by Scripture. But if you're not part of the Methodist or part of the Baptist or part of the Pentecostal, there's going to come a time that you won't even stand here and preach. What is it? Controlling. I'm just bringing a little different light on the giants in our world. And here we are in the midst of it all. Your health organization, your government, all of it, the whole thing, this whole thing that the people, that we, we as free people thought we lived in a free land. And we're finding out we don't live in a free land anymore. We're finding out it's very controlled. It's very communistic. You say, oh, Brother Dwayne, come on, you guys. Go read history. You'll find out it's repeating itself right now. The very same things that they did over in Hitler's day, we're watching the same scenarios being replayed in our own country. Giants in our land. I'm just speaking on a natural, carnal, very carnal level right now. All right. The good part is that in the midst of these giants, there's mighty men of valor. The good part in the middle of all the chaos that these giants... Listen, Satan feeds on his own, church. Satan feeds on his own. He's absolutely... He doesn't... He is not interested. He, does, he doesn't shed a tear if one of his own die. He wouldn't shed a tear if his own child died. He'd, he'd be happy to kill him. He, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of spirit that he is. He, he just don't care. And he don't care what happens to your life. He's not interested. He's interested in one thing, that you don't come to the revelation of who you are as a person. As, who, as long as you don't find your position in Christ, he doesn't get off his chair. He's not, he's not the least bit concerned. But you make a step towards that position that God has given you, and all hell, the giants of this land will break loose. Even now, they've, even, they've dictated to you how many people you can have in your church. They've dictated to you. He's already. Why? Because he knows this little bride has got but a short little time left and she is going to recognize who she is. He knows it. He's afraid of it. He's, he's terrified of her finding her position in Christ. He knows that she absolutely, has, she absolutely has complete dominion and power over him. 
He realizes that. He's smart. He's shrewd. He has an understanding. He was there in the garden. He knows what's going on, church. So therefore, if he can just twist everything as far as our, as far as our world and our, and, and our economics and all the, the political source, if he can just twist everything to get rid of that little seed, that's what he's after. He's trying to crush the seed. It's the same spirit that's gone on and on. Listen, all these things we see happening right now, they're just stepping stones for what he's got planned. It's just stepping, because he knows his time is short. But in the middle of Satan's Eden, there is mighty men of valor. There is a little, little lady that's standing over. Oh, I love this little story. You find it over in the Judges. I think it's, uh, I think it's a, 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 a Deborah and Barak and, and, and the great war they had with Sisera. You remember that in the, in the, in the battle with Sisera? Here's Sisera running from them, and, and he gets to a little spot, and there's a little tent sitting over off to the side. I hope we catch this. A little tent sitting off to the side, and there's a woman standing beside the tent. No, no, she was standing in the door of the tent. She was standing in the door of the tent and she saw her enemy coming and she bid him, come on in. Come on in. She bid him, she said, come on into my husband's home. She wasn't afraid of the enemy. She wasn't afraid of what was going to happen. And she actually laid him there and, and watched him fall asleep. And then she took one of the revelations of the tent, the pagan, drove it right through his head. Hallelujah, she killed him. Satan is afraid of this little bride, church. He's afraid of the revelation of Jesus Christ that comes to her. He knows she's full of power. He knows she can do the greater works. He knows that she's another attribute of God expressed. And he don't want her to get that revelation. So what's he doing? The giants of the land, are, they're, they're, they're all communicating and they're all corrugating. They're, they're all getting to the place where they're going to crush her. But we're not going to get crushed. She can't be crushed. He's already tried to burn her. He's tried to drown her. He's tried to pull her apart. And she will not be broken. She'll stand the test of time. She'll stand in, in the face of every enemy, of every demon, of every power of hell. She'll stand there and she'll take it one punch at a time. She'll destroy him. Hallelujah. She's not afraid. Praise God. I'm so thankful tonight. There is mighty men of valor that are standing like a David that stood there that day when Goliath was standing there. When he made his big boast, he never looked at the size of what was in front of him. Let me tell you something, church. We don't know what's coming, but the, the, I'll say this. The storm clouds are dark, and they're ugly, and they're menacing, and the storm looks like it's getting worse all the time, and it doesn't matter to you and I what it looks like. For he said, I will be with you. I will be in you till the end. Not before it, not five minutes before. I'm not going to leave you there to fight by yourself. I'm going to be with you till the end. Hallelujah. Listen, I, I, let me back up here for a minute. I'm thinking about these giants and something crossed my mind. How Satan loves to tempt, his, how Satan loves to tempt God's people. Can I bring this down just for a minute? How Satan loves to tempt God's people because of our, because of our fallen fleshly ways. Many times we're so tempted with, this, with the earthly things. We're so tempted by, by the beauty of, of a new car or so tempted by the beauty of a new toy. or, or uh, we, We've got to have this or what. So what does Satan do? He hands you a credit card. He hands you a credit card and says, you know what, you deserve this now. Go ahead, put it on credit. You can pay for it later. What did he just do? He just put you in bondage. He just put you in bondage. Oh, but you need that new truck. You need a $700 payment like I don't know what, brother. But you need that new truck. 
And so what did he do? He gets you to sign off. And he just puts you in bondage again. And now watch what he does. He'll keep you in bondage and oh, you feel so good driving that big pickup truck. Man, you're just the greatest thing on earth. And then he'll take your job away from you. And the pressure. Bank starts calling. Give us our money. I can't afford it. Give me your money. Satan, he's the one that enticed you. He convinced you to go do it. Now he takes your job from you. He's got all this pressure. What's he doing? He's trying to crush you. But oh God, you said, you said, yeah, but he gave you wisdom. You, because of your own lust, I'm just using that for an illustration. You see how he tries to put his pressure, how he tries to crush the little bride of Christ. These are very real things in our lives, church. You just have to go through a few of them, and then all of a sudden you'll say, hey, no, no, I'll just pay for that cash. Thank you very much. That's what Satan wants. Just put it on credit. You're worth it now. No, 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 I'll pay for it. Like Abraham said, no, I don't want the cave. I'm going to go and pay for the cave. A beautiful type of Christ. He wasn't going to just allow Satan to rob him. No, I'll pay for it with my life. She's valuable. She's mine. I won't, I'll take her, but I'll pay for her completely. For her sins, for her shame, for, her, for everything that looks terrible against her. I'll pay for it all so that she can be glorified in me. Hallelujah. We are fighting giants in our lands, and we don't even realize what we're fighting against. We're fighting against principalities and powers and and demons that are so subtle and so alluring. To do what? To destroy you. To destroy you. His ultimate goal is to destroy. But there's a lady on earth right now that won't be destroyed. She might be knocked down. She might be beat down. She might be called every kind of heretic name. She might, be, she might be made fun of. She might be called all sorts of things, but she won't be destroyed. When the end comes, she'll be standing there. When her name is called, she's going to go up. Hallelujah. Why? Because she's from a different seed. She's from a different seed. The whole book, this whole book is... It is written about a battle between two races. This whole book is written about a battle between two races. And we think, well, Brother Dwayne, we're just in the very last age in the grace of God. Listen, he said grace, grace unto her. She needed a double portion in this hour. Here we are in the midst of Satan's Eden. God has not left us alone, church. God has not left I'm sorry I had to... To, to jump and miss uh, uh, so much scripture and so much stuff that should have been put in. But, but I, I wanted us to get, get a, a little different picture of where we're at. Just, just to have a, uh, just another look. We preach so many times about the spiritual side of life, and, and, and we ought to because that's where the glory of God is at. Listen, we realize that you, got a, you might have a giant in your memory right now. Like that brother I was just talking to. He might, he says he's got a giant in his mind that he can't seem to defeat it. it. It keeps showing its ugly face. It keeps, it keeps he'd knock it down and, and cut it back down and it rear up again. And he cut it down again and it rear up again. And it just sits there. It just that, that, that picture just haunts him. Listen, can I say this? You young men, not just young men. I, I don't know why I'm saying this right now, but not just young men, but you be careful what you let your eyes watch. 
you be careful what kind of a where, where what kind of a website you go to or what kind of a picture you look at. I talked to a brother the other day and and it just made my heart so sink. I never I never heard this. He was talking about a youth camp that he'd been at one time and, and he says we got the young men together. We asked him a question, brothers. He said uh, uh, he said how how many brothers here struggle with pornography? And he said they were all honest. He said brother Dwayne, I would say eighty five percent of those young men. I'm talking message kids are fighting a giant in their life that they can't seem to control, that they can't seem to get victory over. He said, Brother Dwayne, we asked the sisters to do the same thing, and he says, and you would be shocked at the percentage. This was stateside. Shocked at the percentage of sisters that have the same problem. What is it? A giant. And those, those, th- those pictures will haunt you your whole life. The things that you allow yourself, they'll haunt you your whole life. They become giants. And you're going to have to take the sword of God and you're going to have to slay the giant. You're going to have to cut it down. When it shows its ugly face, you're going to have to cut it down again and claim the blood. God, wash me of that. Cut it down again. Cut it down again. Don't let it just keep popping up. Cut it down in the name of the Lord. Let Let Satan know that you want no part of him. That he has no part in you and you have no part in him. Listen, we know he can come and sit on your shoulder. He know he can bring you things. But it don't make you not a Christian. We're in a battle and we're fighting giants. These are giants that as men, you and I can't win the victory over. But with God, all things are possible. And he told you that greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Oh God, give these young men strength. Listen, mommy and daddies, we like to shelter our kids, but Satan is out there every corner he's looking to trip them up. Every corner he's there to allure them and to show them something. And they are men. They are men that are born in fallen conditions. Don't be shocked and don't be, uh, don't, don't think it's, don't be ignorant that it would happen to your children. It will happen to them. You say, oh, Brother Dwayne, you shouldn't be preaching these kind of things behind a message pulpit. Listen, we're in a very real world right now. We're in a world that your, your precious little children, you can hide them and try all you want. By the time they're 10 years old, if they're in school, they heard more than you knew when you were 25 years old. Everything is in their face. Everything is blatant. Everything is before them. And they can't hardly discern right and wrong anymore unless the Spirit of God gets right on them, takes over their beings, and that new Spirit comes in to give them victory over those things. It'll crush them. Oh, God, help us tonight. But there is a little bride on earth right now that in the midst of all of this, she stands robed in his righteousness she can walk with her head up and with her shoulders back she knows when satan goes to put something in front of her she knows just looks like she just looks the other way listen you don't think that a prophet of god ever had the same temptations you don't think that jesus himself had the same temptations if he didn't he wouldn't make the great high priest but the bible says he was tempted in every manner like you and i prophet of God had a little cross hanging off of his mirror. A brother asked him, brother, what's that little cross all about? He said, brother, that's for one, one of those women, those pretty women, those sexy dressed women. When they step out, he says, I look to the cross. He was a man. He had to make himself look to the cross. I haven't checked this, but a brother told me, brother Dwayne, he says, go and look what brother Brown says about pig alley. About Pig Alley. I haven't checked this, Brother Ed, so I'm going to just say this. 
I said, what do you mean, brother? He said, I think it's in, it's, it's in Europe somewhere. Maybe it's in London. Anyhow, he said, it's, it's, it's a street where, you know, the, the harlots, the prostitutes, the, 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 the homeless. Brother Brown, he, he said, I was reading, he said, Brother Brown said this. He said that, he said, when he went to Pig Alley, he said, we went there to thought we could help. And he said, but the beauty and the allurement of it. Now, I'm, now this is, I'm repeating this. I hope you understand this. I didn't get this. I never went to search that myself. I'm repeating what he told me. So if he's wrong, I'm wrong. Brother Brown said, the allurement, the beauty, it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. Why? Because he's a red-blooded man. Yes, we have a desire to see the soul saved. Yes, we have a desire to see people delivered. But there was a little woman one time that was dancing. It was a dancer, and she got saved, and she went back there to thought she could somehow save somebody else out of the same pit she came out of. And she didn't have the Holy Ghost. It didn't stick. She ended up back where she was. Remember, she come crying, banging on Brother Brown. Oh, Brother, Brother Brown, Brother Brown, I'm lost, I'm lost. He said, no, no, sister, you're not lost. But he also said that this ugly bat creature went flying out of the room. Remember the door slammed three or four times? What was it? A spirit had gotten on her. Listen, we're subject to these things, church. God has put us in Satan's Eden, subjected us to these giants. Subjected us to them. But can I say this again? Greater is he that's in you. Greater is he that's in you. When God come to Gideon and he he spoke to Gideon, he said, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon might not have felt like it, but he was a mighty man of valor in God's eyes. God help us tonight. God help us tonight. I trust we can just go away from here just with our eyes open just a little bit. We're in the world, we're not of the world. That means you still got to eat, you still got to work, you still got to have a house, you still got to got a vehicle, you still got to do these things. And it's, that's all part of God's plan. But be aware of what's around you. Don't just walk aimlessly, obliviously. Life is great, life is grand, and pretty soon the devil's got you in his clutches. No, no, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. You love them tonight? I'm so, I trust somehow that it made a little, a little sense to you. Brother Brown says this, one last quote, and then we're going to close. He says, that's right. That's the way he chose to come, to show you in these last days. He said, God's super sign, a super race. Not, because, not, not what you call a super race, but what God calls super race. Because they got what? Supernatural power with supernatural signs through a supernatural belief in a supernatural word from a supernatural God. He said, you talk about super, supernatural God in a supernatural body in a natural people. Yes, a super race. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
Well, Satan's like a roaring lion, throwing to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible tells us so. And many souls have been his prey to fall in some weak hour. But God has promised us today his, his overcoming power. Oh, greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, on the day of Pentecost, a rushing mighty wind, it blew into the upper room and baptized all of them. And with the power greater than any earthly foe, oh, I'm so glad I've got it now. I'm gonna let the Hallelujah. Greater is he. Not greater is me, but greater is he that's in me. Aren't you glad we're not the great ones? Because you know what? It won't be long and I'd be gone. And then somebody else would be a great one. But greater is he, the I am, that's in me than he that's in the world. God bless you, saints. Lord bless you and keep you and strengthen you. For the, for the battle that lies before us. Listen, we're not going out here without a battle. We're not going out without a battle. Every day when you wake up tomorrow morning, you got a battle on your hands. You're going to get out, you're going to hit the, I'll say this, you're going to hit the floor and you've got a battle on your hands. Sometimes the mind, mind pressures of the age are so great. Don't you find that? Don't you find that? Sometimes the battle of the mind is so great. I, I'll tell you what, sometimes it throws you almost into a, <clears throat> such a darkness I don't know, uh, maybe you don't have these experiences, but I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I, I get in a position and, and it seems like Satan gets in your mind and he just, he will not let it, maybe a certain thought comes, he will not let it go. It'll just torment you. That same thought will come over and over and over and over and you've got you've to do something. You've got to do something. Get in and, and, and start singing a, a, a good Holy Ghost filled song. Find a scripture, push, play, do something to defeat him. You gotta cut him away. You gotta, you gotta hack at him. You gotta beat at him. And, and, you, and you gotta put him in his position. Listen, do you realize we know tonight that Satan is under our feet? We, our position is that we are above him. So, regardless of the size, regardless of how great, regardless of, uh, of how much pressure he's putting on you, you are above that. We got a little sister down south. I was visiting with her, and, and, and she, she got some sort of a, a sickness in her body right now. And, and, and she, she, she finally, she got to the place. She, she come and, and was prayed for. And, and the next day or two days later, whatever it was, we went to visit her. And, and we were fellowshipping with her. And, and, and there she sat. Something was preached that day. And, it, and, it was, and how, many, how remembers the feast of, um, oh, which one of the feasts of it is? Uh, that the Jewish feast, Purim, I think it is. Feast of Purim. And, and it has to do with Esther's day and, and, and how, uh, uh, who's the one that she was fighting with? 
Haman. You know, in the Feast of Purim, they write on the bottom of their shoes, Haman. Haman. The Jews do this to this day, and they stamp on Haman to prove their position. This little sister had written Satan on the bottom of her feet, and she just wore her shoes like that all day long. She said, when I take them off, I just remind myself, who's under my feet? This sickness, this giant in my life is not going to consume me. He's not going to control me. He's not going to tell me what I can do, what I can't do. He's not going to have his way with me. He's under my feet. Listen, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful tonight. Aren't you thankful to be a son of God? Aren't you thankful to be redeemed? Aren't you thankful to be one of them? One of what? That super race of people. A supernatural God dwelling in a natural body. Hallelujah. No wonder they don't know who you are. No wonder that Satan can't recognize it. God bless you. We love you. Pray for us. We'll pray for you. Press on. I, I, I'd say this. If, if, if God, I hope he hurries. I really do, Brother Kevin. I'll, I'll say this honestly. I hope he comes before you get your wife. But I hope it's real, real soon. Other than that, I hope you get your wife real soon. I mean it. Aren't you just looking forward to going home? I'm so looking forward to going home. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm so done with this world. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through. Shalom, church. God bless you. We love you. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid.